0: Hello friends, welcome to another episode of XYZ. XYZ Reflections from Early Childhood Education Professionals is brought to you by the Delaware Institute for Excellence in Early Childhood. We're so excited for you to listen to this episode airing on Wednesday, February 28th at noon we got the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Laura Lessard from the University of Delaware's Department of Health Behavior and Nutrition Science and Stephen McLaurin, a board-certified health and wellness coach. If you're wondering what supports there are for the well-being of educators, you came to the right place. Laura and Stephen have some great programs to help with everyday stressors and some awesome strategies to help you take care of yourselves. You're going to love this show. So without further ado, here are Laura and Stephen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's so nice to see you, Stephen and Laura and Meg, my co-host. Hi, everybody. So Stephen and Laura, can you tell us about yourselves?
1: Sure. Thanks for having us today. So I guess I kind of want to start by acknowledging that I am not a childcare professional and I've actually never worked one day in my whole life in a childcare setting. So I just always like to start with that. That said, my career has been made possible by the incredible early childhood educators who helped me raise my two kids. And I literally wouldn't be here today talking about this without them. And I'm so grateful. It's actually part of what motivates me to do everything that I can to support this workforce. That said, now we know I'm not a child care professional. I am a professor at the University of Delaware in the College of Health Sciences, and I also serve as senior advisor for well-being in the Delaware Institute for Excellence in Early Childhood, where I help the Institute integrate health and well-being into everything we do, including this podcast. So that's a little bit about me.
2: Thank you for that, Laura. And I guess I'll just hop in. Hi, I'm Stephen. I'm a UD alumni, and I'm a clinical health coach working for the University of Delaware. In tandem with several professors, including Laura, on several initiatives that use health coaches to improve the quality of life and well-being of our participants by trying to help them reach their health and wellness goals.
0: I love that. And I love that you're so focused on health because we know, gosh, the pandemic got us all wound up, right? And we're still kind of dealing with the the effects of it. So it's so nice to know that we have your support as well in the field, especially with early childhood educators, because we know it's rough out there. <laughs> for sure.
3: Laura, I love that you brought up the importance of having childcare and how that's very much intertwined in all of our lives and and makes it possible for people to do the great work that they do and it makes all of our providers feel appreciated and know how important
0: they are. So that's really great. For sure, they are essential. Without them we would not be working, right? Oh, we we need them. So Tell us about some of your initiatives.
1: So I'll kind of start this off. I mean, I, as I said, I work with the institute on a number of health and well-being topics. Really thinking about how well-being can be part of everything that we do. But today, I've, you know, we've been asked to come and share about educator well-being, and so I'm going to talk about the initiatives specifically focused on the health and well-being of educators. So I'll just say that both our experience, my Stephen experience. And also the research shows that the well-being of educators is directly linked to their ability to provide quality care, to be present, to be interested in staying in the field and staying in the field. So we're not going to talk about child or family work here specifically, but we know this work does positively influence children and families. So that's just something I wanted to say. So through the Delaware Institute for Excellence in Early Childhood, we are super excited to offer two Specific well being programs for childcare educators in Delaware. So, the first one, and we used to call it our flagship program. I don't know. I don't know why we started that, but it's called Shining the Light on You. And this started in fall of 2020. What a fabulous time to start something new! So, Shining the Light on You is a 15 week professional learning experience for family childcare educators that's focused on health and well being. So, the program has a couple different components including group health coaching sessions that happen every week for those 15 weeks. It also includes three individual health coaching sessions with a board-certified health coach like Stephen, who's worked in this program before. Educators who complete Shining a Light on You can earn up to 15 quality assured hours for participating, which is really exciting. We're proud to offer that. This program is offered in both English and Spanish. And we're really excited about it. We offer it in the fall and the spring. So if you're an educator in Delaware listening to this, we encourage you to check out Shining the Light on You on our website to find out when a new group is starting. So that's one of the things that we're doing and we're super proud of. The other program that we offer is a pilot program that we call Lunch Breaks, which is currently being piloted at three center-based programs in Newcastle County. And I'm gonna ask Stephen who leads that and is the champion and pioneer of that work to tell you more about Lunch Breaks.
2: Thanks so much, Laura. I don't know if I describe myself as the champion and pioneer, but I I love getting the ego boost. Just to talk a little bit about the Lunch Breaks program. So it started around two years ago, and it was born from the idea that health coaching would be this amazing asset to the professionals working in childcare. However, we recognize that time and finances are very real barriers to entry for people to access coaching as a resource. Not everyone can take the time out of their day to make it up to the STAR Lab or take even an hour of their day to meet someone virtually for coaching. So the goal of the Lunch Breaks program was to deliver health coaching to the centers themselves in bite-sized chunks, melting the availability of our coaches into lunch breaks of the teachers at their convenience. So we found a lot of success by just melting into lunches for five to 10 minutes at the minimum. So if you have five to 10 minutes of your entire lunch break to sit down and talk with a health coach, would that make a difference in the quality of life and your just day-to-day well-being working at the centers? And from my experience, it really has been life-changing for some people. Just having that space to talk to a coach, to vent at the very minimum sometimes, you just need to get things in your brain out someone who's willing to listen but also it's been this great opportunity for people to process what their health and wellness goals really are because they've never had the opportunity to sit down and think what do i want for myself for my health beyond a doctor's visit so having someone who's just willing to be that ear can be so beneficial for people and like we talked a little bit earlier we also try and bring in resources alongside coaching so At certain centers, we're bringing in the availability of chair massage or sprucing up their wellness rooms to have a wellness space where, you know, if I just need a minute to myself, this is the room where I can go and de-stress. So trying to implement wellness and mindfulness wherever we can to make the centers just a more easygoing and space to work in.
1: And I just want to add that we have limited funding for the Lunch Breaks program right now. It's something we're developing and trying out. But I just want to say that if you're listening and you're in Delaware, if your program's interested in working with us on lunch breaks and trying to be creative about how we expand and support that program, please get in contact with us because we think it's great and we're, we definitely want to think about expanding it. If we can, resources allow.
3: This is really great and really exciting to hear. You know, one of the things that is so prevalent in our field is provider educator burnout. And we've seen over the past few years, with the pandemic and everything, that this is leading to a little bit of a workforce crisis with people leaving the field and just not having that support. And it's just so great to hear about these initiatives and hear that there is space to make this a priority in our work. And there is, you know, people that are working to figure out how to make childcare less stressful and how to support these educators with more than just financial support.
0: Yes, chair massages and awesome incentives, so fun. So no that's really great that you're offering a lot of those incentives and also being mindful that providers can't get out of their programs. So yes, yeah, so you know sometimes they can't do the zoom, they can't come meet you in person somewhere, but you coming out and joining them for lunch like that is so cool, and Stephen, you okay. said that you've seen a difference. So tell me some of the things that you've seen, you know, during these lunch bunches.
2: Yeah, so you know, when we started, we were really just trying to see would this make the difference. What does five minutes or five to ten minutes make a difference in someone's day? And over the course of two years, I've seen people go from being extremely stressed. Going from, you know, not wanting to even work at the centers anymore, like actively trying to develop exit plans or like, where do I go from here to finding things can be manageable. When things feel manageable, when you're not in crisis mode, suddenly you have the opportunity to think, okay, what do I want for myself? What are things I have the space to work on now? So if you actively feel like your job is making your life awful, then you're not thinking about how you eat, how you move, you know what your quality of your sleep is. You don't have the mental real estate to do those things. But when you're not in crisis, when your stress levels are more manageable, when you feel like you have a person or a space to just speak your mind and things can get back to a more normal level, the day-to-day basics suddenly are more manageable. So that's definitely on the extreme. People who are like, want to leave the workforce, that's more extreme end of things. When the more day-to-day is really just, you know, I want to eat better and especially on the holidays. People make pretty wild food choices because it's a very unique time of year. But I've emphasized with people, and I hope that it's made a difference, where just because it's a certain time of year and we eat a certain way, that doesn't have to define what the rest of your year looks like. And that kindness and self-compassion means that you are allowed to do things and not carry guilt or shame around them. And that Your one action does not define what you plan to do for the rest of your life. So giving people that kindness and allowing them to feel like, yes, I make a food choice, but that doesn't mean that I am that food choice. So that people, especially on the holidays, they can go into January, have that soft reset they're always looking for, brand new year, but go into the year with confidence, knowing that their choices aren't the end all be all.
0: Very cool. So during those coaching sessions, is that kind of what you do? You kind of chat, you break down goals, you make goals. Like, What does that look like?
2: Yes, absolutely. So most coaching sessions, no matter what program that I'm working in, just in general, I always try and emphasize the person's successes. So really emphasizing what they feel is going well in their life, the things that they feel in control of and feel like things that actively are making their day-to-day a little bit easier, and then highlighting what are the things that are challenging you? What are the things that are getting in your way, are potential barriers to your success? And working together, we figure out what are the small steps forward to success for them. And of course, everyone's different. Everyone's priorities are different, but I always try and help them focus and center in on what they feel is possible right now. So It's very easy for us to try and get lost in the woods and say like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. But when your to-do list fills up with way too many things, it makes it so challenging to even focus on one or be successful in one. So even though the progress may seem small or slow in the beginning, it's the little wins that help people really develop the motivation to keep going. So the heart of my work is to help people get that motivation, that confidence in the start to feel like the bigger goals are suddenly more possible.
0: That's awesome. Sign me up, Stephen. I'm <laughs> oh, in. I did that unrealistic. I am starting fresh goal resolution, cutting off everything and just starting to renew, <laughs> refresh. But yes, having smaller goals is probably a little more manageable. So taking those little baby steps, right? And right, you may not see progress right away, but over time, you're going to get there. And then having you come in, how, how often, like what's the duration of this? Is it every day, every week?
2: Right now, our program has been doing every other week, bouncing between the three centers. So it's usually three-hour blocks that I let myself be available. That way, within that 12 to three-hour, everyone's lunch breaks are a little bit different, but it allows me to be accessible for people throughout that whole lunch break. And then, like I mentioned earlier, like Some people at minimum, it's five to 10 minutes. Some people, it goes longer if they really feel like they have a lot to say. But I like to let myself be available for that time period. That way it covers the whole lunch hour.
0: That's great. So this is like on an individualized basis. So you're not doing group interaction. So, wow, that's awesome. So just that one-on-one time to have someone really listen a lot of people don't get that opportunity, right? Because as providers, educators, we are stretched so thin, and we're always helping everyone else and listening to everyone else. So for you to give that opportunity to have them actually unload and listen and kind of go somewhere with that information is just amazing, right? So a lot of times, you know, we say, yeah, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And we just don't we don't get it done because we don't have a path or we don't have anybody to bounce ideas off of. So that is amazing. What a great, great opportunity.
1: Now, just add that one of the things we've learned in running a lunch breaks program is, because you know, we interviewed staff at the sites that we're at, because we're, lear- we're also learning about how to offer this in a way that makes sense and matches the lifestyle and workload of early childhood educators. And we've interviewed people who Stephen says had never talked to him one-on-one. And they'll say, oh, you know, have you talked to him? And they'll say no. And then we'll say, well, has this program impacted you? And they'll say, oh, yeah, I've totally changed the way I eat. And our interviewer said, well, you never talked to him. And and I remember a couple people said, yeah, but I saw him every week or every other week. And just seeing him reminded me to think about my health. (laughs) So So I think there's a lot of different ways that people... Touch this program and interact with this program in more in-depth, longer conversations, longer relationships. Stephen also helps with bulletin boards and with water drinking challenges and step challenges, or other things at these sites that uh, ideas. But sometimes, you know, you just need somebody who is, you know, in some places. Stephen is a physical. Our health coaches are a physical representation that educators they can care about their own health and well being. It's okay. These women are incredible. They dedicate their whole life to other people. And sometimes we want to give them, as Stephen said, like the grace and the space to just say, like, you can care about yourself. We care about you. That's why Stephen's here. That's why the institute's invested in this program. That's why the sites we're at are partnering with us on this. Like, your health is important. And so that's one of the cool things we've learned from this. Is like even people who don't talk to him, some of them have made changes as well, which I think is really. I mean, how fabulous of a coach he is. He's enough to talk to people to change lives. Pretty great. (laughs)
3: Amazing. You know, you Uh, touched. That's awesome. You touched on something about being a caregiver and always taking care of of other people and and a lot of times the people that we find in this field are just natural caretakers, so even outside of their work they're doing as an educator, they are still playing that caregiving role with other people in their lives, so so much of their time is spent thinking of others and and having that just giving them the space to just think about themselves and have somebody else who's invested and cares about their goals and their you know, not just their professional goals, but their personal goals for themselves is just a really amazing thing for them and so, so needed in our field.
1: I mean, the other reason I mentioned that is because unfortunately we don't have unlimited resources to send a health coach like Stephen up to every center, although we are actively trying to get more resources to do that and welcome partnerships. But is there something for those of you listening that run a program or have leadership in a program? Is there something like that you can do at your site? Can you have a well-being bulletin board? Can you start a walking challenge with your staff? Can you share a mindfulness moment at a at a professional development? You know, like even just these little moments to help us all remind ourselves that our health and well-being is important. Even just telling people that. You know, one of the sites that Stephen's at, he's had incredible partnership from the leadership, the director of that site, who herself has participated in coaching with Stephen, and she. I shared with her staff, like, I did it, I liked it, I changed. And that really opened the door. And so I think that we're talking about this big thing that we're doing. But I do think anything small is certainly better than nothing and can be the thing, you know, that really, you know, do a selfie challenge of doing something active with your class or with your kids. I think all of those things can help reinforce that idea that it's okay, and important and necessary and you matter your health matters. And we care about that just for that. You know, oftentimes we think about what can we do for educators that helps the families, that helps the kids. We try to talk about our programs. We think it's enough that it helps the educators. Like we're happy with that outcome. And of course, like I said, it helps the kids, it helps the families, but but just like passing along that message to your health, your well-being, it's enough. And you deserve to have that. It's really cool.
0: You're so right. If we don't feel good about ourselves, how then are we going to make everyone else around us feel good, right? So having, you know, that kind of peace, that calming time for ourselves, I mean, we can then be 100% as opposed to being so stressed out that we just want to leave every day. And Steven, you had mentioned that like teachers coming in, you know, I'm going to call it burnout, burnt out, right? They come to you and they're like, I'm leaving. I can't take it anymore. What advice would you have for those educators? you know, in regards to burnout?
2: In my mind, the first step to dealing with burnout is to acknowledge that it's happening. I've seen so many intelligent women in this field who I know, know the best for them, but will willingly push down their burnout, ignore it to keep trudging through the next day. And sometimes it's not even by choice. Sometimes it's out of necessity and survival mechanisms to be like, I have to just keep going because what other alternative is there? But if you aren't willing to acknowledge that you aren't burnout, there's no way that you're going to be able to take the steps necessary to start fixing that burnout. So, my advice the first step, acknowledge what signals your body's sending to you. What does stress mean to you? How do you feel it in your body? Does it manifest through fatigue? Do you, does it manifest through pain? Do you experience headaches? Like, those are the physical symptoms. How do you feel emotionally when you are being burnt out, when you're stressed? You have to know your signal so that you know when you need to take steps to start feeling better. And once you acknowledge those signals, once you know what burnout feels like, then you can take the first steps, whether it's using your sick days, not letting them pile up every year going unused, actually using that time to take time off, especially if you're salaried and you know that you're going to still get paid when you use those sick days. Please use that time while you have it. That is an active choice, that is self-compassion to use resources available to you to help you feel better. Speaking with your leadership, if you know that your level of responsibility right now is pushing you to an edge, it is okay to reassess, to say, I need things to change right now for me to be able to show up 100%. That is an active choice that will make your time working here more feasible. And it is not worth it to push yourself over an edge to try and reach some level that right now is unattainable because of the level of burnout you're feeling. So having those conversations when you know that you're reaching that level of burnout is hopefully a reasonable first step to get to a place where you feel like, okay, I can manage the day-to-day responsibilities of this job because I took time for myself.
0: So true. So just recognizing that in ourselves and acknowledging, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. We can say, we're so stressed, we're so stressed. And we just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. (laughs) It's like we're on that little hamster wheel spinning and spinning. So yeah, those were some really nice strategies, you know, acknowledge and get help. And also shining the light would be a great (laughs) strategy, right? And are they lunch breaks I made it Lunch Bunch. Is it called Lunch Breaks? Is that the program? Yes. Lunch Breaks. Okay, sorry. My kids at school, they have a Lunch Bunch and they can sit with the teacher. I got it confused. <laughs> so, <laughs> Lunch Breaks, that's it's amazing, right? So much so that you said even those teachers that were coming to you on the edge and they were done really were able to turn it around and and like their job again, and like what they're doing, and like themselves. I think that, too, is like, we need to be kind. Like you said earlier, I think it was Laura, like, we need to be kind to ourselves, because I think we are so hard on ourselves, especially the educators out there. Every job in the world, doctor, nurse, police officer, firefighters, so they're the end-all, be-all. And again, Meg, just as you said, they don't necessarily think about themselves ever. It's always somebody else. And I think that's I think that's just an early childhood caregiver trait <laughs> or provider. I mean, that's kind of why we're in it, right? We're here because we love the children. We love the families. We, you know, we do anything to keep everyone else happy. But a lot of times their own well-being does take a backseat for sure.
3: Steven, I liked that you mentioned speaking up. When you're feeling those feelings of burnout and almost like the idea of advocating for yourself is an act of self-care, you know, and a lot of times we probably don't think of it that way, but, you know, I think that was a really important piece there in that recognition of burnout is, is expressing that you need some extra support or to lessen the load, you know, things like that. I really liked that you brought that up. And with the same kind of idea, are there any strategies that you would recommend for early childhood professionals to implement to kind of like help themselves before they get to this point of burnout, kind of some proactive things that they could be doing for themselves?
2: Absolutely. So I liken this idea to emergency planning. So we don't practice for the fire drill when the fire is happening. You do the fire drill. You do all your preparedness beforehand. So it's crucial that you have a plan in mind before work becomes too overwhelming. I think a good starting place is to ask yourself these questions. What are my options for when I know I'm getting stressed? What helps calm me down? What brings me joy? What makes me feel fulfilled? And for some people, exercise helps them de-stress. Get all that negative energy, negative emotions. It's a great place to process that. But for other people, it might be listening to music playing with their friends, sitting outside in nature. What works for one person may not work for you. So you have to take time for yourself to understand what tools you have to help you feel well. And then I cannot overstate the importance of reaching out for support when you need it. Professionals in this field, they give so much of themselves to take care of others, but they'll often put themselves on the back burner. And practicing self-compassion is a skill set. And it's one that allows us to remember that we are just as valuable as the people that we care for, but it is still a practice. It's something that we have to do every day for us to actually get good at it. So my hope is that people will give themselves a moment, ideally every day, doesn't have to be long, but just a moment in your day to remember that this is not something that we have to do alone. And just like how you show up to help others, there are people who want to show up to help you, whether it's your friends, your family, please lean on them for support. And sometimes it's necessary to ask to share the burden sometimes. I've spoken to a couple of women that have made some breakthroughs recognizing that the division of labor in their households was not equal. And as things changed at work and they got more responsibilities, they took on more for themselves, things at home didn't change to balance that out. So your spouses, your children of a certain age that can handle more chores, allow that conversation to happen that, Life at home has to be balanced enough for you to be a functioning person at work. And nothing at home will change if that conversation doesn't start. It's not going to magically change the next day. So you have to be willing to open the door to change and ask for help when you need it.
0: Easier said than done, right? We always say, oh, we can handle it. We got this. We got this it's all good. It's all good until, right, our heads are blowing up and we don't know where to go. So speaking to that, where can early childhood professionals find resources in Delaware and on a national level?
1: Stephen's an incredible resource. And we've we've done some listing of resources in, in Delaware for, you know, I think there was an educator who came to Stephen a little bit ago and said, I'd really like to do Zumba. Can you help me find a place to do Zumba? And so On that like individual Delaware resource thing, it's kind of hard to provide something that would be general for everyone that's listening today. I'll probably get in trouble for volunteering that the institute staff could be connectors as well to help you find out things like that. There are a lot of resources in Delaware for people who, you know, wanna start exercising money, like there's a lot of that. At the University of Delaware, we have a health coaching clinic where board certified health coaches like Steven work and see clients. And depending on your health insurance coverage or your financial situation, you might be interested if you're, you're sold on health coaching during, during this podcast, I encourage you to look up the health coaching clinic at the University of Delaware. Even if you don't have insurance and you don't have a way to pay for it, I'd reach out to them as well. There's opportunities for graduate student trainees who are in that work with that clinic to provide pro bono health coaching, not to everyone in every circumstance, but if you're interested in, in health coaching, please reach out to that. Another thing that I would mention in the vein of maximizing the resources that you have access to is to think about whether your health insurance plan offers mental health counseling, offers health coaching, offers a gym discount. If you have health insurance, it probably does actually offer a number of health and wellness benefits that maybe you're not taking advantage of. So maybe, you know, think about using sick time or other time to to take advantage of some of those resources. Maybe your employer has, you know, employee assistance program that offers other types of things. So Do some research on that. I mean, if you have health insurance, things like preventative visits with your physician or another provider, vaccines, mental health supports, all those things should be covered to you for no or low cost if you have health insurance. And so I encourage you to kind of maximize that benefit as well and sort of think about when you can take the time to do that.
0: That's great. Thank you. So a lot of resources out there. And the institute is definitely a resource, so (laughs) for sure. So Before we end, I would love to know what your why is around the work you are currently
1: doing. I already shared some of my why as my intro, but I'll just say that, unfortunately, this workforce is just generally underappreciated and undersupported across the country. So I actually do a number of research and other projects across the country focused on the health and well-being of this workforce that I haven't shared today. But just suffice to say, across the country that's really a challenge and i want to do whatever i can to change that so i mean my why i mean i when my son was an infant he was in a center based program and i remember the lead teacher's husband he was a federal worker and he was subject to furlough for i think it ended up going on for almost two months and a furlough means right he had to work but he didn't get paid right away and i knew that situation because the teacher shared it with me and i knew it was causing just immense financial strain and pressure in her household, but it never showed. You know, she was incredible. She showed up every day, present, patient, kind, understanding with infants who couldn't even say thank you. So, of course, I try to say thank you every day that I see educators and in my work. So, I'm super lucky to be in a position where I can do what I can to support educators like her, who are dedicated and incredible, but often forgotten, and I'm going to do whatever I can to help.
2: And for me, My why is very adjacent to Laura's because I feel like this population just, they work so hard for the betterment of everyone. They're a crucial backbone of our society, but they do not get the recognition monetarily or emotionally that they deserve. So me doing my work is just a small part of giving them the recognition that not only are they crucial to society as a whole, but they are valuable as the people that they are. So my work as a health coach has always been about allowing people to see the strength that they already have. I truly feel in my day-to-day work, I'm not really doing much to change where these people are right now. I'm just uncovering what they already have. All of the strength and knowledge that they know about themselves, about what they want to do, it's already in there. It's already within them. I'm just cracking open their shells and letting them come out. So if I can just do a little part to help people recognize their inner strength for them to realize their goals and to take time in their day to just better their health and well-being i will absolutely take that chance as often as i can and i'm so thankful for laura for this opportunity to meet this population because i don't think i ever would have otherwise i don't see how i would get that in to be able to meet with these professionals on a day day. so this is a great opportunity i love just seeing Every week that I meet with someone and just seeing they're lighting up, they're shining compared to where they started. I've actively seen people just smile more and just be more enthusiastic for the future. You can't put a price on that. That is just amazing to see that people can just better their lives through small changes. And like if five minutes can make that difference, I will take that five minutes as often as I can.
3: I think we can speak for our entire workforce of early childhood professionals in Delaware that we appreciate you both and really value the work that you do. And we're so thankful to have programs like the ones that you are currently offering.
0: And for the record, Stephen, I'm going to say you are going to be pretty busy after this podcast because you're amazing. So number one, sign me up because I could use five minutes. Hey, I'll take one minute. (laughs) (laughs) But where can providers reach out? Like, is there a website? Is there somewhere that they can go? Do they do it through the Institute? Can you just tell us where we can find you all?
1: Yeah. So I do believe that Steven is the most amazing health coach. I'm so grateful. I tell him this every time we meet that I'm so grateful to work with him and I hope he never leaves me. But he tells me that he's just a health coach. And this is what health coaching is. And I don't know, maybe we can both be right. There's a board certification for health and wellness coaches like Steven. The University of Delaware has a graduate certificate that can lead to that board certification. And so he claims that any board certified health coach is just as magical as he is. And and of course, we actually have a number of health coaches who work with our programs as well, across Shine the Light, who coach in both English and Spanish. And so from a health, strictly one-on-one health coaching perspective, if you just want to Google University of Delaware Health Coaching Clinic, you can kind of get in touch with them. And certainly, we're looking to think about how health coaching can be expanded to this population. Because as Stephen said, you know, we think this is really a need. And so all you funders out there, you know, when we submit grant applications for this work, hopefully, this will move you to want to support, you know, it really is a modest investment for an incredible benefit. So we'll continue to try to get these things funded and offer the services that we can to this incredible community.
0: Well. You two are doing amazing work, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts, and I'm sure everyone working with you thanks you as well. We appreciate your time today, and have a good day.
3: Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Laura.
0: XYZ Reflections from Early Childhood Education Professionals is brought to you by the Delaware Institute for Excellence in Early Childhood. College of Education and Human Development at the University of Delaware hosted by Megan Polante and Irene Ash. To learn more about DIEEC and our show, please visit our website at www.dieec.udel.edu. That's www.dieec dot u d e l dot e d u for additional information and to stay updated follow us on social media at U D D I E E C on facebook instagram and twitter again that's U D D I E E C. thank you for your support until next time